Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be worshiping with you. The scripture reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. <clears throat> but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's good to be with you. I'm on the very tail end of recovering from a cold. Uh, if you were here last week, you know that I was... Uh, hacking and coughing up, trying to make my way through the sermon. And uh, I've been, this, one of the things that I've noticed over the last handful of years is that I've been getting sick like two to three times every single winter. And I have small children who like to cough and sneeze in my face. So that may have something to do with it. But um, I've also been trying to pay attention to like, am I taking care of my body in a sufficiently good uh, way in order to like, make sure that my immune system is strong enough so that if I am inhaling germs, uh, that my immune system can fight those germs off. And so one of the things that I have discerned, that I've figured out about my body is that I need to take a day off from exercising like once every seven days. So just kind of my normal rhythm when I take my Sabbath, I also need to take a Sabbath from exercise. Some of you are looking like you have to discipline yourself to take a day off from exercising, but that is something that some of us need to do. We like to exercise. I'm one of those people. And, I, and sometimes what happens is I'll like overeat and then the next morning I'll like go, oh, I got to exercise a little bit harder today. And when I, um, this happened to me a couple weeks ago, right? I, we had a birthday party that we went to, and so we had like cake and ice cream. And so the next morning I woke up and it was my, supposed to be my day off from exercising, but I uh, pushed through it and worked out really, really hard. And then a couple days later, I got sick. And so one of the things that I've been discerning is the way that I violated my body's exercise limits because I was trying to uh, get a little bit more in shape, lose a little bit more weight, but the result has been that by violating my limits, I ended up a little bit tireder, and then I got sick, and now I've had to take many, many days off from exercising, and I'm more out of shape and a little bit uh, heavier than I was when I've just been disciplined enough to take a day of rest. Now, some of you, again, may be thinking, I cannot imagine what it feels like to discipline myself to not exercise during a day. But there are other ways, maybe, that you experience the struggle of living within limits, of slowing down and stopping, because you have only so much time or resources that you can get. Maybe for you, one of the limits that you struggle to obey is how much time you spend working on your computer. So you know that you should be at home connecting with your spouse, but it's really hard for you to, to put the computer away and stop 
emailing. Or maybe for you, it's not on the exercising side, but you struggle to limit your eating. You eat a really healthy meal, you've had enough, but then there's something just calling out to you in the pantry, barbecue, lays, chips, or, or uh, ice cream that you know is in the fridge, and you're not hungry, but just like setting that limit and I've had enough, I don't need any more, can be really hard. Or maybe for you, the limit comes with your phone and it's reading political articles. You have Politico and The Hill and CNN or Fox News and, and you just love going to that. Or maybe it's DIY YouTube videos. They're projects you'll never do, but you just keep watching how to bake a beautiful cake or, or sew a, 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 and repair a, a pair of jeans. Maybe it's Netflix. It's, it's you start watching that series and it's like, okay, two hours is a healthy amount of television to watch, but then you, you find yourself unable to stop and you just keep going until you're six, seven hours or seven episodes in. Most of us, if we're honest, there's some place in our life where we struggle to embrace limits. Maybe you can't stop working out. Maybe you can't stop working. Maybe you can't stop eating or watching YouTube or Netflix. And the reason we do this is because there's something in us that, that drives us when we butt up against that limit. There's still something in us that's just a little bit dissatisfied. So we know we should stop. There's something in us that's just a little bit of something. We just think, if I just get a little bit more, then it'll be better. So we push through. If you're new here, we're in the midst of a sermon series, and we're exploring seven steps to grow spiritually. And, and I don't want this to be formulaic, but we're just recognizing that there's some core things that we all have to do in order to grow spiritually. And, and today, this is the final sermon in our series. Today, the final step I'm encouraging you to embrace is live within your limits. And this may sound really boring, but it's absolutely essential and, and quite difficult to do. And perhaps one of the greatest examples of humanity not living within our limits comes in the opening pages of the Bible. As if to point to how universal this phenomenon is, this struggle that you and I face to live within our li limits. Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden, in paradise, have everything that they want, intimacy with one another, intimacy with God, all this beautiful, wonderful food all around. And yet, there was still a limit placed on them, right? There was one limit in particular. You may not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And despite them literally being in paradise, it was that limit, that limitation, that they wanted to push past and violate. So if you would have gone up to Adam and Eve and had a conversation with them and said, what's the one thing about your life that you wish that you could change? They might have said something like, well, I wish I could eat from that tree. I, I know I'm not supposed to. I know I'm not allowed to. But look at it. It looks so, like the fruit looks so juicy and ripe and perfect. It's growing taller and bigger and faster than, than all the other trees. Did God really say that I can't have that tree. I must not even, why? Why can't I just have that thing, that fruit? 
and so they violate that limit, push past it, unhappy and unsatisfied with all that their life is in the Garden of Eden, they reach out for the one thing they're not meant to have. And then you see all the chaos that ensues. Because they couldn't be content in the Garden of Eden. It was the one thing that was off limits for them. They need it. This is right at the beginning of the Bible as if to speak, to call our attention. What is going on inside of the human heart that we bristle at our limitations and constantly believe that there's just one more thing just outside my limits. If I get that one more thing, then I would be happy. So many stories in the Bible. Another one that comes to mind, King David. Right? He begins his life as a nobody. When the prophet Samuel shows up and talks to David's dad, Jesse, and says, bring all of your children before me. They don't even bother to call David. He's so insignificant and irrelevant. Samuel asks him specifically, are you sure there's not another one? Sure enough, they go and they find David, and, and Samuel anoints him king, and, and then he rises in fame and greatness all the way up to being king of this global superpower. And you think about where he started and where he ended up, and you think, how could he not be happy with his life? How could he not be content with all that he has? And yet, one day, on the roof of his palace, sees a beautiful woman bathing and thinks, if only I had her, then I would be happy. So he devises a plan, gets her pregnant, and then orchestrates the murder of her husband. And these actions cause a whirlwind of pain and suffering in his personal life, in his family life, and in the whole nation of Israel. So here he was, king of Israel, had all this power. So much had gone well for us, and yet not content, he reached out for more and made things so much worse. The Bible is full of stories like this. People resisting their limits, the limitations placed on them, saying, no, I have to have that. And going after it and getting much, much less. You and I, we have lots of limitations. You have, I have, physical limitations. We each have intellectual limitations. There are certain things that we're good at and certain things we're not good at. We have emotional limitations. We're not all the same emotionally. There are limitations based on what season of life we're on. You have age-related limitations. I cannot do what a 20-year-old can do. You have relationship limitations. The, the needs of the people that you are in relationship with limit you. They limit me. And what often happens is we do what Adam and Eve did or what David did, and we bristle at these limitations as things that are getting in the way of us being and doing what is really important in the world. But the message of Scripture is that God's 
will, God's purpose for your life and God's purpose for my life exists within these limitations. The limitations that my children, my body, my spouse, my intellectual capabilities place on me. Now, this doesn't mean that all our limitations are good. Some of the limitations that you may have are the result of sin or evil or violence that's been done to you. Not all limitations are good. Some are neutral, some are good. That doesn't make them going away. And living within our limits simply means that we're being honest about our reality, about who we are, or what circumstances we find ourselves in, what season of life we're in. It means that we believe that we can find God's will for our life inside the limitations that we face in our real-world setting. And our resistance to embracing this is often most obviously discerned when we're trying to figure out, you know, what am I supposed to be? Or or kind of discerning a decision or following God's will or finding some purpose or, or figuring out what the next job is or the next step is. So we tend to most resist our limits when we're trying to go after something but then the limitations are really saying, I don't know how you can, you can do that. And this is where God is calling us to discover his purpose and his will right in the midst of our limitations. Listen to how one author talks about this. He's talking about discerning the voice of vocation in the midst of our real life and the limitations that we face. He says, when people are incapable of coming to terms with their vocational identity, it is usually either because they have failed to accept who they are or because they are holding on to illusions about the world in which they live. If we are to discern well, it is imperative that we see the world as it is, not as we wish it were. (coughs) It is a matter of facing up to the circumstances and opportunities as they actually are not the circumstances or opportunities for which we hanker. We may lament the lack of financial resources or feel that people are unfairly critical of our work, and this may be true. We may have been unjustly fired or overlooked for a promotion. Life is unfair. And it may be true and unfortunate that we are living with significant financial limitations. But God's call is always within the particular, and consequently the limitations we experience are always in the context in which God will call us and enable us to experience his grace. And listen to this story. I've shared this before, but I think this is a good one. Parker Palmer, some of you have read books by him. <clears throat> Pete Scazzaro sharing a story of Parker Palmer and his limitations. Parker Palmer tells a story about when he was asked to be president of a college. Initially, he was very excited and gathered a group of trusted friends together to help him discern if it was God's will. About halfway through the evening, someone asked, what would you like about being president? He answered, well, I wouldn't like having to give up my writing and teaching. I would not like the politics of the presidency, never knowing who your real friends are. I would not like the person who asked the question repeated one more time the question, what he would like most about being president. Palmer fumbled. I would not like giving up my summer vacations. I would not like having to wear a suit and tie all the time. I would not. Finally, he gave the only honest answer he possessed. I guess what I would like most is getting my picture in the paper with the word president under it. He finally realized for him that to take that position would be a disaster for him and for the college. He withdrew his name from consideration. 
He had the wisdom to say no to the job offer because he was enough familiar with his limitations, just barely so. His friends helped um, him see this. But how often in the big decisions or in our daily lives do you and I struggle to discern what God is really calling us to because we're resisting our limitations and going after that thing that, that we can't say no to? And you think of times in your life where the allure of status or money or power or praise from others was so enticing that you violated your limits to get there. The opening story of the Bible and many subsequent stories make this point abundantly clear. If we do this, if we say, I don't have limits. No, no, no. Push people aside, push relationships aside, deny what our own body is telling us in pursuit of these things. Sin, chaos, ruptured relationship, sickness. This is where we're headed. The question then, the Bible speaks this clearly, you violate your limits to your own peril. The question is, how do you and I learn to live within our limits? How do we become the sort of people that are comfortable with saying, I don't think I can handle that. I don't have the gifts it takes to become president of a university, or, or I don't have the capacity right now because of the needs of my family to step into this role. And that's basically the question that Paul is answering in our, our passage for today. The whole of 2 Corinthians is really, really about how do we um, discover God's grace in the midst of weakness, in the midst of limitation. And in this section of the entire letter, he gives us this metaphor or this word picture that kind of helps us see what this looks like in imagery. He explains it by saying that you and I are like jars of clay, so I'm sure some of you have heard this before. Um, the jar is our life. It includes what people think of us, how people see us, what our accomplishments are, what your possessions are, where you live, what's on your resume. That's sort of your jar of clay. It's your self in the world. Now Paul is saying that we have all these cracks all around our jar, but on the inside is the presence of God, and it's glorious, and it's shining out through the cracks. The cracks are the things that are our weaknesses and our limitations. It's our ugly bodies, our slow intellect, the thing you long to change about yourself, poor social skills, mental health struggles, be relationship liabilities. I think maybe you've prayed, God, if only I didn't have this, or God, could you take this away from me? And when we're trying to figure out what to do with our lives, these limitations and liabilities oftentimes feel like things that we need to overcome. If only I didn't have this family responsibility. If only my mother didn't criticize me so much. If only I could stay to work till six. If, if only I had more time to exercise. If I was smarter, if I had more financial resources then I could. But that's our clay jar, our limited, weak self. What Paul is saying is that these things 
become the means through which we accomplish God's will for us right now. They're not getting in the way of God's will. They are God's will. He's saying that your purpose is available to you and me right now, right where we are. Not, we don't have to overcome some limitation or weakness to get to our purpose. That our purpose is found as we accept our weaknesses, cracks, limitations. Because as we do that, the glory of God's indwelling is revealed through us. He says this a few verses earlier in chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. He says, when any, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. He's comparing it to the Old Testament. With Moses, he used to wear a veil over his face when he radiated from his intimacy with the Lord. He says, whenever any one of us turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit dwelling in us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Basically, what he's saying is that as you and I contemplate God's presence dwelling within us, God's glory dwelling within us by His Spirit, we start to radiate. We start to radiate God's love. So the more we go, okay, I'm limited in this way, and I can't do what all great people do because I'm limited in this way. Or I can't step into that thing that I think I'm supposed to be doing and have accomplished by this stage in my life right now because I'm limited in this way. The more we accept these things and turn inward and contemplate the Lord's glory in us, what ends up happening is we start to discover, oh, God loves me despite these weaknesses, despite this brokenness. This starts to become enough. I don't have to have this perfect job. And then, in that space of being limited and not so great in the world, we start to be able to just freely give love to other people. The Spirit of the Lord is there as freedom. As we contemplate the Lord's glory, the presence of God dwelling within us and loving us and calling out to us from within this voice of love, we embrace these, we, we just accept that we are limited. We don't rail against the people who limit us. We're free to just love them. We don't bristle against our own weaknesses and what's holding us back. We accept where we are and we just give love away to others. In the place of all that resentment, we can just give love, gentleness, and kindness. In this way, our limitations become that much more central to the discovery of our purpose in this world. Listen again what Paul says. This is our the death. Our limitations are the death. All the ways that we are hurt and wounded and broken. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Jesus was limited. People wounded him, rejected him, betrayed him so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive, because we've discovered God within us, are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, 
death is at work in us, experiencing death and limitations, but then we lean into the life of Jesus that dwells in us. And then that life is at work in you. Because we're able to just give all this love away. Death is at work in us. Limitations affect us. This causes us to turn and contemplate the Lord's glory and his love within us, which then sets us free to just give and radiate love to those around us. We don't feel like we need to have this perfect external jar, like we only have purpose if we accomplish this or do that or become great in this way. We're just contemplating this crazy gospel of grace that God dwells within us by love. And we start giving love away. We accept the limitation of our life, choose to just exist as an offering of love for others. This then becomes our great purpose. Our faces become radiant with love. And people start turning to the Lord because of our great love for them, because we're so free to exist within our limitations. This is our calling. Doesn't matter what particular limitations you face, you and I can fulfill this purpose. We can notice contemplate God's glory within us, notice God's great love for you and me, and then give our lives away in love for those around us. And if we do this, we radiate God's glory to others, and they then can discover God dwelling in them, coming to them. If this in any way sounds appealing, I want to encourage you to um, take the step, make the commitment to live within your limits. But it's also one of those things that we got to like engage in practices to like step into it. So I'm just going to share a few. Um, you know, if anything resonates with you, consider it. And so the first is we're trying to live within our limits. I think one of the first steps we have to take is prioritize contemplating the Lord's glory. That's what Paul talks about. As we contemplate the Lord's glory, we contemplate God's presence dwelling within us. This is what shifts our attention away from that perfecting the external clay jar. And we become okay with all the cracks because we're aware of this glory that's shining through the cracks. So, but we got to contemplate to spend time in prayer where we're noticing that God loves us. And sometimes I... We'll look at people and they'll be like uh, so busy and I'll and one of the questions that I often uh, will wonder about is when do you have time to pray? And so as you think about as I'm kind of encouraging you to contemplate the Lord's glory I just want you to like hold that question for a second When do you have time to pray? your life is so busy that you don't have time to pray, then you are living beyond your limits. And the only way we can slow to stop living beyond our limits is if we can contemplate, if we have this awareness that wherever we go, we go with Jesus. The Spirit is in us. So maybe the first practical thing to consider is make it a priority to contemplate the Lord's glory. Make it a priority pray. I mean, I'm not saying you have to pray for hours every day, but just like at least a little bit, like just pausing every day to spend a little bit of time noticing and conversing with God within you. <clears throat> Second thing about living within your limits, pay attention to your energy level. One of the things that I've learned is that I often don't realize that I have violated my limits until I am well past them. 
I will notice I am very angry. <coughs> I'm getting angry in ways that I don't normally get angry for, for things that don't normally bother me. <clears throat> this is usually a sign that I am just trying to do too much. I'm running around trying to get too much done. I'm going beyond my limits and I'm angry. How short is your temper? Are you resenting tasks that are core to your calling? This is another indicator to me that I'm way past my limits. Things that are core to what I think God is calling me to, if I'm doing too much, I'll resent even those acts. <clears throat> another um, practical thing, I've said this many times, this won't be new for those of you who are regular here, but you know, take a Sabbath. If you can take the 24-hour period where you're not working, I think this does a lot of good for our soul and allows us to get more work done in the other six days. But that, listen, I, I'm sick because I can't take a Sabbath from exercise. So I'm like, this is, a, this is all a struggle for me too. Um, but just valuing this idea that it is good to rest and to surrender. Uh, this is a good practice for, for embracing our limitations. Uh, take retreats, silent retreats if you can do it. Uh, and lastly, um, notice what voices are at work in you that are most powerfully pushing you to violate your limits? Is it your boss who criticizes you that gets you to, to do lots of extra work at night? <coughs> Is it your spouse who rejects you, who drives you to overfunction at home? Your fear of your child falling behind drives you to do way more than you should? Notice what's going on inside of you. Notice that. And then pray that. How do you bring that voice into conversation with the Lord who dwells within you? If you are human, you are limited. Jesus was limited. He didn't heal everybody. He didn't go to every town. <coughs> you probably hate these limits like I do, but the good news is that God, the good news of the gospel is that God's glory comes to us by grace, dwells within us, as we accept our limitations. We don't have to do a lot to get God's grace. We don't have to do anything. It just comes to us. And that we discover God's purposes for our lives, God's will, as we accept our limitations right where you are. Let's pray. <coughs> God, because we are vulnerable, limitations are hard for us. trying to wrap ourselves in our accomplishments, in our possessions, in our beautiful bodies. Have mercy, O oh Lord. Show us the glory of your presence within, and we might find rest and slow down and accept our limits. Christ's name we pray. Amen.